0: Welcome to another episode of the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Lewis Glover, and I'm riding solo today. Our usual co-host James Cooney is busy. Uh, I believe he's at a bachelor party today, so I'm sure it's it's already 8:30 a.m. I'm sure he's had a few drinks, uh, and he'll be enjoying himself. But but fear not, I'm not completely alone. I'm joined by a very special guest. A New York Giants big blue fan. His name is Tyler Bolosky. Tyler, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm pretty good, Lewis. Yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. It's a it's a Sunday morning for us here in in Australia. It's a, a Saturday afternoon evening for you folks over in New York. Uh, have you had a good day? Have you been enjoying your Saturday?
1: Yeah, it's been a really great day. It's been a really hot day. I think it's been touching about 90, 95 all day. We actually have a heat advisory, so. Uh, Yeah, stay inside, stay in the AC here in New York. And uh, I forgot to mention, hey, thanks for having me. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait to uh, do this podcast, talk some Giants football, Scott Fish. And yeah, my Saturdays have been awesome. That's great.
0: Yeah, uh, well, mine was good yesterday, but... Listen, it's it's us who owe you the thanks we're always appreciative when we have any guests who are willing to to work with us on on the time difference and and you have have the back and forth about how we're going to make it work it isn't it isn't always as, as easy as just hey who's free and wants to jump on a podcast when we're navigating these ridiculous time differences so we are always very appreciative so as I said we're going to be talking some giants football we're going to be doing a, a breakdown of the team a quick sort of retrospective of what went on last year and what we think we might expect from in 2019, but but Tyler just alluded to something, uh, and he mentioned Scott Fish, and you know you've heard me talk a couple of times on this on this podcast about the Scott Fish Bowl. I think many of you who are listening probably know what it is by now. But but a quick recap: the Scott Fish Bowl is a, a 1200 team industry and fan fantasy football league put together by the man himself, Scott Fish, and it's an incredible initiative it's designed purely to raise money for for wonderful charitable causes uh, the whole fancy football community gets together uh, and really raises a ton of money for Primarily for kids who aren't going to have gifts at Christmas. So it really is a a wonderful initiative. And people do all kinds of weird and wonderful things to enhance the Scott Fishbowl experience. Tyler is one of those weird and wonderful people. He's known on Twitter (laughs) as the Keeper of the Scrolls. So Tyler, why don't you just give us a little uh, preview or a a breakdown of what you're doing in terms of uh, your your power rankings for Scott Fishbowl. Oh no. <laughs> uh, we may have lost some audio. So, Mark, this is a time here, JA. Gonna have to do some editing.
1: Yep, I'm still here. Sorry okay. About that. I, a- I don't know what happened that
0: that's that's okay um i just put a little note down uh we can we can scrub that out um yeah yeah hopefully it picked up uh um, oh you know i'll i'll run it back and i'll just i'll just put the question down to you again
1: okay yeah um, i don't know what happened just kicked me off
0: that, that, that that's okay um i think it's just a little glitch internet maybe your, your internet's getting too hot it's an it's, it's a heat wave
1: yeah right <laughs> yeah we we i the last thing i heard was um you're the keeper of the scrolls, but we can go from wherever you want to.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um so Tyler is one of these weird and wonderful people who contribute to the Scotfish Bowl, and he is known on the Twitter sphere, fancy Twitter, as the keeper of the scrolls. So Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your rankings, your power rankings set up for, for Scott Fish Bowl twenty nineteen?
1: Yeah, this is my third year of doing the Scotfish. Uh obviously you have to sign up if you want to play. A lot of people don't understand that. Sign up. To play if he if he picks you, uh, last year I, I didn't really I signed up but I didn't get picked so I was like well I still like the Scott Fish I want to do it and I want to help out the best I can so I love making lists I love ranking things so I was like well I'll be you know bold and rank all nine hundred teams a lot of people I thought I was crazy was like oh what kind of Excel sheet you're using I'm like no I'm going to use paper and pen because I'm a little older than most of the fantasy industry so I'm old school. So I set out and I ranked them. Uh, each player, one through three. Uh, you know, the better player gets a one. Worst player gets a two, uh, three. Rookies always got threes. This year, I was like, well, and then eventually I did get a um, invitation. Scott DM me. He's like, hey, we got a drop out. You want to jump in? I'm like, sweet. So this year they bumped up to 1,200 teams, and I said, thanks a lot, Scott. You made my job a little harder.
0: <laughs> He's so inconsiderate, <laughs> isn't he?
1: I know, I know, right? Ask me first. But uh, so yeah, so what I do is I look at your 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 draft. I don't care what your team makeup is. If you want to draft 15 quarterbacks and two receivers and whatnot, that's fine. I, I grade each player. I give them a number. I add up the numbers, and whatever your number is, that's what you get. And then I put those numbers in order. There's your rank. And it, it's funny because I'll get so many people like, oh, I should be way higher. My team is better than this. It, it may be better, but by my ranking system, it's 727. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I'm about halfway through this year already, and uh, the worst so far is out of the, the I think it's the pit division, and I think the best one so far is out of Mario. So, um, there's really no rhyme or reason. It, it's just something fun. It's something yeah. I want to do, and, you know, I'm, I don't mean to step on any toes. Like, last year, one guy ripped me up and down in my DMs, but we did talk about it. You know, we we talked about it. It's like, dude, I I don't know what to tell you. It's just for fun. They they really mean nothing other than just for fun. And I, you know, and and, and people love it. People, I I get more followers every day just because of this. That's not why I did it. I just did it because it's fun. I love football. I love fantasy football. And this is the way to give back. And people have their other grading systems and stuff like that. So
0: listen man this I, I think it's a ton of fun what you're doing it's a great initiative uh, I wasn't happy with my ranking last year but it tu- it turned out to be prophetic because my team absolutely stunk up last year so maybe there's something in your rating system uh, people who are who are whining about this online get a life man it's a exactly. fun, it's a fun ranking system that's Ba- sounds a pretty rudimentary ran- ranking system that is is just done to to have a little bit of fun and if you're getting bent out of shape by that you need to probably uh check your priorities in life but um I'm, and, and that's
1: I'm, the thing and that's and exactly right you know my ranking system's been like when if i'm feeling good tevin coleman gets a two if i'm not feeling good you know the kids made me mad he gets a five and i'm sorry that's just how I'm feeling that day. But there are, you know, like there are things like Russell Wilson's a one and Pat Mahomes is a one, even if I'm, you know, not a great day. But, yeah, just take it easy, guys. It, it means nothing. It's just it is what it is. And, and, and honestly, like my rankings are way off. Usually last year I hit four or five right ones, four or five within five or ten. Other than that, you finish second. I put you at seven fifty-five. Sorry, that's that's what it is. <laughs>
0: uh, that's it, man. It's just it's just it's just fun, and it's a good way of of keeping conversation going around FSB and 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 just helping helping grow it and getting it widespread. I mean, it's getting out of control now. How how big the league is, and how far-reaching it is there was a write-up about it just in the washington post the other day so that's really cool to see that you know mainstream journalism is taking an interest in in what scott fish is doing and that's going to only help it grow in future years so tyler my advice to you would be invest in some uh paper and felt tip markers uh when they're on sale during the season. Oh, definitely. Season. Yep. Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah, back to school sales is. I hit. I hit that place up and I get yeah. my my discounts. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're,
0: you're buying half the store for you, for your four kids anyway. So what's a few yeah, extra yeah, markers right. and scrolls for? Uh, <laughs> exactly. For oh, here, here he
1: comes. Let's get this guy ready. <laughs> get your own personal. Yeah, stuff I saw out. that. I saw that right up in the Washington Post. That's pretty cool. And I know. I think last year they raised almost fifty thousand. I think the goal this year was hundred plus. So, yeah, it's a great way to donate charity to, char- to a charity. I think they do Toys for Tots. You know, every penny, every dollar goes to Toys for Tots, I believe. You know, you can get your Scott Fishbowl T-shirts at roto I think they're doing one more run. If not, all the proceeds from that go to that. So, yeah, it's a great, it's a great uh, charity uh, fundraiser thing. Yeah, the fantasy footballs are great and everything, but it really is all about the charity
0: yeah that's it I mean and that's the thing there's no entrance fee to 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 play or join there's nothing you can do to to buy your way in or or you know argue your way in it's just complete ra- random selection for the for the spots that are available and uh encourage people to donate so you know best best of luck with with your team this season in in scott fishbowl and uh you know good luck with finalizing the second half of your rankings as well
1: Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I already got my team at number three, so I'm good to go.
0: <laughs> I mean, probably a little bit more room to bump it up to number one. So, yeah, that's Keep scrolls. I'll
1: have to. I'll have to, I'll have to have a good day. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So, let's let's move on and talk some some Giants football. And you know, last year, I think to the surprise of no one, except maybe Dave Gettleman, it wasn't a strong year for the for the New York football giants. They finished five and 11. They were dead last in the, in the NFC East. Now, they were still quite a fantasy relevant team, even though they weren't a good football team, which isn't always the case. But, you know, Odell Beckham was very re- fantasy relevant. Saquon Barkley was obviously extremely fantasy relevant. And, and Evan Ingram was was helpful down the stretch. Looking at what the, the team did last year as a whole, they actually ran the fifth highest number or rate of pass plays in the NFL down to the defense just being absolutely horrific. They were, but they were 25th in plays per game, so the, the pace wasn't great for the Giants. Uh, they were 16th in opposing uh, points per game conceded with twenty three and 23rd. Oh, excuse me. So that's their That's their offensive rating. So they're middle of the pack in offense. 23 points per game definitely helps when you have Odell and, and Saquon there. And defensively, they were 23rd, giving up about 25.8 points per game, uh, 17th in, in yardage and 24th in defensive yardage. So those numbers uh, match up there. 16th and 17th in offense and 23rd and 24th in, in defense with points and, and yards specifically, just at a very high level. Tyler I mean it must have been hard watching some of those Giants games last season Uh, what's the sort of consensus amongst Giants fans about the direction of the team
1: I think a lot of people are saying get rid of Eli Uh, I'm actually a fan of Eli I mean he makes some bonehead bonehead throws and interceptions at the worst time but he still puts up forty four thousand yards a game or, I mean, a season, that'd be a great 4,000. That'd be a very uh, game. good game. <laughs> yeah, no, 4,000-plus usually a season in 20 to 30 touchdowns. I mean, you can't argue that. That's great. It's just his bonehead mistakes. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't happy with a Jan- uh, Daniel Jones pick. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, he He's just like Eli in a sense of he went to his, his practices. He practiced with uh, Eli and Peyton and Archie. So he's going to be – he's a copycat, and I like that. Yeah, he may not be flashy like Murray or Hask, Haskins, but I, I like the Jane, Daniel Jones pick. I mean, that easily could have went someplace else with an offensive lineman, but you can get them for, on a dime a dozen. You're not going to get a Daniel Jones. He went to Duke, so he's smart. Uh, as far as Saquon, yeah, he's hes hes a stud. I mean, he's going to be their back for the next 15 years if he stays healthy, if that offensive line can do their job and block. And uh, – you know as far as odell it thinks that he you know he did great like you said it's a fantasy relevant team just not a real fantasy a real relevant team because they were horrible
0: yeah i'm that's interesting there aren't many uh giants fans that i've heard who were who were uh happy with the daniel jones pick now i'm going to be the first one to come out and say i am no quarterback evaluator Right, I am going to leave that to the to the guys who really know what they're talking about, like you know, Mark Schofield and Matt Waldman, some of these real top quality uh, film evaluators. But you know, I, I watched a bit of him. I must say, I wasn't thoroughly impressed from from what I saw, and and, and you know, analytically, he doesn't doesn't pass the tests as as well as you'd like. However. The amount of anger and vitriol towards him as a person has just been out of control, like getting booed at games and stuff. The kid can't help where he's selected. And I I hope it works out for him. I want every single NFL player who gets drafted to work out. Unfortunately, we know it doesn't work out like that. My question over the Daniel Jones pick is not the selection himself. I understand if you want to get your franchise quarterback, that's fine. But it seems to me that no other team was interested in him in him in the first round and for the giants to then go and get him at, at six when they could have had him at 17 seems like a bit of a, an overinvestment. but hey if he turns out to be the starter for 15 years no one will care so it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out uh, in terms of eli he's been serviceable for a long time but i don't think he's been a a good quarterback i think the giants have been able to win in spite of him for a long time but and you know, Father Time catches up with everyone not named Tom Brady, right? He's just he's he's lost that zip in his arm. He can still you know manage a game, but the Giants don't have the roster to to carry him, and not certainly not at the the price that the, his contract uh, is is demand is demanding. So it's going to be interesting to see whether this truly is his last year, or whether on will give him another another ride. But um, yeah, it's going to be. We'll, we'll see how that, that storyline plays out. I know Vegas has set the line at Daniel Jones for three and a half games over under, so they don't expect him to have a, a great, you know, a, a massive impact in his rookie year. Uh, so I think that's something to take into consideration uh, in terms of, in terms of our, our fantasy forecasting. And I actually think it would be better for fantasy purposes if Eli was to be the quarterback for the majority of the season. Um, would, you, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would definitely take Eli and redraft. Uh, obviously not taking Jones in redraft at all. Uh, Dynasty, that's another thing. I've drafted him a couple times in Dynasty leagues, uh, but I'll also take an Eli just in case they make that switch, even if they make the switch halfway through the season. Uh, as far as, you know, Jones, you mentioned a little bit earlier as a character or as a type of, type of quarterback, he worked this system through the system through the Mannings. So he, he's not your typical, like I said, Murray, Haskins, Flashy type, but he has the the mentality of a quarterback to to do the, get the job done, and he's going to sit underneath Eli. Yes, Eli is a two time Super Bowl champ, so he's going to get the job done uh, if he gets the call. Uh, I don't think he's going to play that all this year, even if they have a, a horrible record. Why throw him in there and give um, Cloud his head with with a uh, booze from the crowd because they're already booing him now, so they're just going to even boo him more when he throws his first pick. Um, so I think you give Eli the rest of this year, ship him off, cut him, whatever you got to do. I've heard, I heard yesterday, I think it was on ESPN, the Saints may go after him, the Titans may may go after him, even the Dolphins could go after um, Eli. So, wow, you know, I, I wish him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because Breeze is getting older, so you know, why not have sign someone for another year or two? Mariota's under contract. He's he's going to be done after this year, so they're going to need someone. Ryan Tannehill is nothing, and then Rosen and Fitzpatrick. I'd rather have Eli. And I just I just because I'm a fan, I'd rather have Eli than those those two guys.
0: Yeah, interesting. I I think you know Eli Eli will will probably retire after this season if he gets cut from the Giants. He seems like a a, a Giants lifer. I can't imagine him suiting up anywhere else, but you know, we'll wait and see what I, I th- think probably worth is a good starting place for, for the Giants is is just to, to talk about the, the offensive line. And even if it's Eli or Daniel Jones taking snaps under center, I think their offensive line is in considerable better shape going into the 2019 season than it was at the start of the 2018 season. You know you've had the the acquisition of kevin zeitler from the from the browns that was part of the odell beckham trade you have the development of nate Solder, who came on leaps and bounds in the second half of last season he was looking like a a massive contract bust when they they made him the highest paid left tackle in in the nfl but he came on and then will hernandez the 2018 draft selection uh really started to show what he could do in in run blocking i know he's uh Brian Balding is—he's one of his favorite offensive uh, linemen out of the the last class, and he was really impressed with some of the things that he put on tape. So, um, you know, what do, what's your take on the offensive line situation and moving forward?
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely improved uh, over the last couple of years. You know, especially getting rid of Eric Flowers. Uh, he, I think he went to the Washington. Washington. I mean, he—that was just a horrible pick. Uh, yeah, they got rid of him. They upgraded, like you said, a Soldier and Hernandez are stepping up big. If Eli can stay off his back, he's going to move the ball. Uh, Barkley's going to find the holes. He can make his own holes anyways, but that offensive line has to get moving. They have to block better. They have to block in the passing game better, or they're just going to be in the top five or the bottom five again. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely um, has a major improvements for the offensive line this year. I- I'm happy with it. Uh, they just got to do their job. Stay healthy. That's always been a problem for the Giants in the offensive linemen is staying healthy. It seems like they're always rotating left and right. Hey, let's put this guy at center, even though he's never snapped the ball because they don't have enough, they have too many injuries. So stay healthy, and they should be they should be pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a big concern for for every team is the health across their offensive line because. When an offensive line plays well as a unit and everyone knows their their assignments, that's that's when the offensive line can become greater than the, you know, the sum of the parts is greater than the individual players who are who are making up the offensive line when they're playing together as a unit. Unfortunately, it's an incredibly physical position. If they're healthy, they're on the field for every single snap. And they're taking probably more contact than anyone else on the field so it's no wonder that these guys who are putting tremendous strain on their bodies do deal with with injuries on a, on a regular basis so it is an incredible feat if a if a lineman can get through the season play every snap and and not be be uh you know be injured at any point so Hopefully the offensive line does improve because I know that's one of the concerns that people have for, for Saquon Barkley. So let's talk about him. I mean, he he didn't just meet expectations last season. He absolutely surpassed them. And I know people were, you know, look, I, 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 I'm one of the guys. I don't think he was. it was the right selection at two. I think they should have gone and got their quarterback in that draft class. But at the end of the day, he's on the team. He performed exceedingly well. Uh, and 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 that, that that's how it is. The, the the pick is being made. It's it's, it's not worth dis- discussing any further, with all of the hype and expectations uh, that came that came with Saquon Barkley. As I said, he surpassed them. He was just phenomenal. He finished as the running back one in PPR scoring last season. He was he was close to you know he he wasn't too far away from a thousand and thousand yard season. And I do think that's in his range of outcomes any year just given given the talent and particularly now it seems that the offensive focus is going to be running the football and and running the offense through Saquon Barkley that's what Gesselman has said he wanted to do certainly all of his moves have have indicated that that's what he's going to do now and a few people are not not souring on Saquon but but a little bit hesitant particularly of what happened to to uh David Johnson last season is that if it's a stagnant offense, could be a problem uh, for Saquon Barkley and uh, taking him out of that, that top running back position. Where do you have Saquon ranked for this season? And are you confident that the departure of Odell, he can still get it done?
1: I have him at one. I think he's the best back in the league. Not, and again, none of, none of my views here is because I'm a Giants fan. It's because I'm a fantasy football fan too. He, he, he's the best running back in the league. Uh, he can run, he can, he can catch. He, he caught 78, no, 91 catches last year. I mean, that's, that's pretty good coming out of the backfield. <laughs> uh, as far as uh, with uh, Odell leaving, it just means more touches for him. And which also means he's going to get banged up a little bit more. So again, we'll say a thousand times tonight. Uh, if he stays healthy, he'll be a stud, but he put up 1300 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns last year. Uh right around 700 yards passing and four touchdowns or receiving and four touchdowns in the receiving game. So he's a stud. Obviously he's a dual threat and I'll compare him to, in the sense of Le, 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 Le'Veon Bell and the giant and the jets, he's going to get the ball this year. If he doesn't touch the ball 300 times for the whole year, just rushing and probably a hundred catches, then the giants aren't using him. Uh, I think he'll add I see a couple more extra guys in the box because Odell is missing, but, That's just going to have Manny's going to have to step up. The line's going to have to step up to open up that passing game. If they do shut that passing game down like they like you said with David Johnson, then he'll still get his five yards average. I mean, the guy's a freak of nature. I mean, last year he jumped over the guy. I mean, who can do that? (laughs) I mean, him and that's about it. Elliot's not jumping over anyone. The guy is like 700 pounds running back. I mean, he's he's big. He's a big guy. He's not jumping over maybe Camara, but he doesn't need to because he's so fast. So, Barkley I'm going
0: che- to check you on your on your uh, on your Giants uh, fandom and Cowboy hate. There, Zeke. To be fair, yeah, Zeke right. did <laughs> hurdle someone last year. He did, but he, he's there. He's right, not right, the same right. athlete as Saquon. I'll give you that. I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. He, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, he's 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 like a bowling ball compared to like a, a roadrunner. I don't know, but yeah, they're, they're uh, different yeah, types. Barkley they're different just, profiles. Exactly. Exactly. And so, Barkley Barkley is a stud. I mean, he's going to end. He started. He's going to start number one. He's going to end number one. Uh, I mean, Kamara may be the only one who can touch him because, again, he's going to be in the same position. Uh, that Since Mark Ingram's out, he'll get the ball way more. So and now that Beckham's out, Barkley's going to get the ball more.
0: Yeah, so last season, he faced a loaded box, eight men or more in the box, 23% of his carries, which is, which is a fair clip. Uh, and you, you can find that information at NFL's Next Gen Stats, which is a really fun website. I love pl- playing around there. Um, so he wasn't one of the highest in the league, but still, that's a decent percentage. Now, I do think that percent will go up now that he's going to be the focal point of the offense and teams are going to have to game plan for him. So I think that will will increase. I think we're going to see probably closer to 30% loaded boxes for for Saquon. But the but offensive he's, but he's line has... Sorry. Yeah, he, say, he
1: still got the job done he still got the job done last of year. course so, I mean, yeah he, exactly you no know, exactly. seven seven eight more seven eight more percent isn't gonna really matter for him now if you bump no, it up his like 80 or so
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly his efficiency <laughs> is probably gonna come down a little bit in the, in the in the rushing game and that's fine but he's gonna get that volume which will offset that lack of efficiency and the way he plays he's a threat to take it to the house on any time he touches the ball now he also got hit a ton behind the line of scrimmage last season or before he could gain positive contact. Again, the offensive line will help with that. And even though he might, he'll be facing more loaded boxes and, and getting, you would hope, the the improving the offensive line will at least stop him getting smashed and laid out the second the, the ball is handed off to him. Now, what I find particularly interesting, this came from a, a tremendous Scott Barrett article on Pro Football Focus, and he went through and basically looked at the, the on all of the ways that the top fantasy running backs could potentially fail this season. And of course, the for, about Saquon Barkley was the fact that. A slightly weaker offensive line teams making him the focal point of their defensive game planning and interesting stat from him was in each of the past five seasons there's been one running back ranked top 10 in touches but ranked 20th or worse in fantasy points scored which is that super high volume but such a crappy offense that they can't get the touchdowns they can't get the efficiency but those running backs only saw eight percent of their touches through the air compared to Saquon Barkley over a quarter of his touches last season came in the passing game, which in PPR is just absolute money. I mean, a, a, a reception is worth, uh, at the reception or a target, is worth 2.74 times the, the value of a carry and PPR scoring. So as long as he gets that uh, work in the passing game, uh, that might even go up to 30% of his touches because there's targets to go around. Saquon Barkley is money and he's my 101 all day.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I, I mean, you know, we can beat this dead horse. He's he's a stud, and volume is going to be there, and everyone in fantasy loves volume uh, and um, targets. So just you pick him. You're not gonna you're not gonna lose your you're not gonna lose. I mean, yeah. he's going to win your games. He's going to win your weeks. Take Barkley and be happy. Absolutely. If you didn't take him in the Scott Fishbowl one or two, then. I, t- I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I think p- I people are
0: tending to, I think, pot- potentially overanalyze this situation and try to try to get a, a little bit cute with it. He's a stud. He's going to get uh, obscene levels of volume. So, yeah, absolutely. No doubts what, whatsoever in my mind drafting Saquon Barkley. Now, that's where the good news ends for, for the Giants in fantasy, in my opinion. But I do think there's potentially some sneaky value to be had a little bit you know, further down the draft board. So the first guy I'll talk about, because he's, you know, next highest in ADP, is Evan Ingram, who, you know, had a sensational rookie season. 115 targets, 64 receptions for 722 yards, and six touchdowns. Now, as expected, that came back down to earth once Odell Beckham returned to the lineup. Uh, And and, and I believe Sterling Shepard missed some time in, in Engram's rookie year as well. So he became, for a while there, the focal point of the Giants passing attack. As expected, that came back down to earth a little bit in 2018, nearly half the targets. But... He uh, improved his catch percentage significantly by 15, percent and his uh, his yards per reception increased a little bit there as well. So definitely showed some growth in his abilities and skills, and you know you'd expect that to continue going into his third year and, and continuing to grow as a player. Now I really like Evan Ingram's upside this season. Uh, last year I mentioned he had a good good uh, you know. Uh, roll down the stretch and using the tools on ff statistics i went in and i looked at his splits with and without odell beckham jr in the lineup he's played 15 games with odell and uh, excuse me 11 games with odell and 15 with him and when odell's on the field he averages 8.85 ppr points per game when he's not there he averages 13 points per game that's a huge difference and in terms of an end of the season projection that would be the tight end nine versus the tight end three so he really does have that upside to finish as one of the top three or four tight ends at the position. Tyler, what are you seeing for Evan Engram this season?
1: I have him in my top five. He, he's going anywhere from three to five, depends on the day and how I'm feeling. Uh, probably th- three to four is more realistic. His biggest thing is he needs a catch. He cannot catch the ball if it's thrown to him right in his face. <laughs> he has – I don't know how many balls he drops, but it seems like he's dropping a ball every other play. But I do I do think he he does have definitely high upside because he's gonna probably be the number one target in the passing game. I know they have Barkley who is gonna catch it out of the backfield and Shepard, but he is he's a big guy. He is going to he's 6'3, 240. Eventually he's gonna be the, the, the Travis Kelsey of the Giants. He he's a target. Eli likes him. Eli can't throw the ball deep enough anymore, so he's gonna dump it down to him. Daniel Jones gets in there, rookies like the tight ends. So he's going to dump it down to Ingram. Ingram just needs to catch the ball, and he's going to be a stud. I have him down for about 60 catches, 700 yards, and eight touchdowns or so. Um, again, if he can catch it. He's a big target. He can block a little bit. That's not really what he's supposed to be doing, though. But he, line him, he lines him out outside, and that's it. Yeah, Ingram, he's going to finish, finish top five, and he's starting top five.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's one of the safer picks at tight end just because of the lack of options around him. And to be honest, I can see him sort of filling a Zach Ertz light role this season, where he is pr- the primary outlet in, in the passing game. Uh, I don't think, you know, even, even if Barkley sees a similar number of, of, of uh, targets. Uh, um, Engram will still be the primary outlet, just because you know he's getting he's getting downfield, and I think the volume will be there for him this season. You know, you mentioned his catch rate was you know wasn't great, but he did show great improvements from year one to year two, and that's something that can be improved as well. That's a concentration thing. That's something the guy can go away and work on. And when they're lining him, they they if if they use him right and they want to make him the focal point of the offense, as you mentioned, he's 6'3", 240. three two forty. He's got wheels on him. Dude is a matchup nightmare. So they can, he can outrun linebackers. He can, you know, he can uh, be more physical than defensive backs and get get inside leverage. And they once that's it's it's over. Once Ingram gets leverage, it's it's done, right? There's no one getting back getting back around him to make a play on the ball. So really excited for what he can do this year. I think Odell Beckham leaving will be the making of him. Uh, I'm really excited to see to see what he can do this season and. Comp- he's he's sort of the last guy in my top tight end tier who I'm taking otherwise I'm completely waiting on the tight end position till rounds nine ten of my draft later on and and that's um you know there's this five in that category which includes the traditional big three OJ Howard and, and Evan Ingram and, and and all of those guys I think can be tremendous value in the tight end position this season
1: so. Yeah, exactly. I, I I have Ingram. I just looking at it. I have him at three. Uh, Kelsey, Ertz, Ingram, and then Njoko, and then Howard. Um, oh
0: no! So no George yeah. Kittle for you.
1: I don't like George Kittle. Can't oh wow! I, I think I don't think he. I think he's got too much. I, I just don't. Lie, I just don't like him. I have him <laughs> probably in my top ten. I have Burton over. I have Burton over Kittle. So wow, that's bold. I, Flame,
0: flaming hot take alert. We need it. Yeah, oh, no, right? sorry. <laughs> I I
1: I will say this about Ingram. His his catching ability has grown grown since his rookie year. I mean, being a rookie, high expectations because they thought he was going to be the next Jeremy Shockey. And then his second year, yeah, he did improve. So I, I can see his numbers going up even more because he's got that another year with Eli, another year in the NFL. And like you said, he is a burner. Get the ball wide open, and he's gone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But
1: yeah,
0: yeah, we'll 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 agree to disagree on George Kittle. Maybe the. Uh... <laughs> the crazy heat up there's doing something to your to your brain. <laughs> You're suffering some heat stroke.
1: <laughs> I just need to see more. I need to see more. Him and Jimmy G haven't haven't um, played enough together. So I, I how am I supposed to go off of that? Other than the fact that he's really the only target in San Francisco, I'll give him that, but I need to see more.
0: Yeah, I mean he he is, right? I mean uh, you know, going out on a little tangent quickly. Kittle's, you know, Dante Pettis has what twenty-seven career catches, and the second option, Debo Samuel, doesn't have any. So, a lot, a lot of uh, ifs ands or buts for the San Francisco 49ers. and and uh, yeah, we'll dig into that a little bit deeper on the Vault Studio when we uh, when we do our 49ers preview. <laughs> but but stay, staying on pace with the, with the Giants here, yeah. and and looking at some of the other options in the in the in the uh, offense, Sterling Shepard is now the the, I mean. The number one wide receiver—they just gave him an, a contract extension. It was over forty million dollars. It has twenty-one million dollars of that is guaranteed. Now I don't know if it's a bad omen for him. The last receiver they they extended got shipped out of town pretty quickly. Hopefully, uh, for Sterling Shepherd's sake, he gets to stay and be the the wide receiver one. Do you think he can he can manage with that?
1: I do. Uh, he he's a sneaky one. He's as uh, a sneaky wide receiver one. Uh, you know the whole thing with Odell is I'm. It stinks on paper that he's not there, and I'm, I'm on the field he's not there, but he's a headache. I don't want that on my team, on any team. If I was a Bears fan, Lions fan, whatever fan, I don't want the headache in my locker room. He's a distraction. Sterling is there day in day out. He keeps him himself. He's quiet. He that's why I'm, that's what makes him sneaky. He can burn. He, he's fast. He's gonna hit the deep ball left and right if Eli can get it to him. Uh, you know, with the 66 catches, that's going to get bumped up to about 80, uh, 800 plus yards, four touchdowns. That's going to get bumped up. He's going to be looking at a thousand yards and maybe eight touchdowns. Um, but yeah, I have him. I have him as a, a start him as your wide receiver, two in your fantasy team. Uh, you know, you're going to take him. I, I draft differently, so I'm going to take him fourth, fifth round but most likely the industry is going to take him probably seventh eighth ninth round um, but I don't I don't draft by adp I draft because I want to win I draft by points that I want to score every week so like I, I'll take my quarterback in the third round because I want to win but going back to Shepard he, he's he's fast he's he's a little small he's 510 200 but that helps him in a sense because he can catch pretty much anything that's thrown to him at least that's what it looks like on TV you know I mean on TV, he's catching things left and right, and he's averaging about 13 yards a, a play. But again, he was the d- wide receiver two. Now he's getting bumped up to the one on the team, and so he's going to see more options. He may get a little more double team because Golden Tate's not you know, the best, but uh, give me Shepard.
0: <clears throat> yeah, see, I really like Shepard this year, and his ADP is in the early eighth round. He's going as the wide receiver 35. And just off volume, expected volume alone, <laughs> I don't see how he doesn't outperform that ADP. Looking at some of the names going ahead of him, Will Fuller, Christian Kirk, Alan Robinson, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, who I love, but health health is always going to be a concern with him. Uh, and then we're getting into some, you know, a, a big grouping of names who who I I really like. But I can definitely see a case for for Shepard being a low end wide receiver too, just on volume alone, and. Looking at his his uh, career splits again, with and without Odell, he's about two points per game better off when when Odell doesn't play. Whether he's going to be able to handle that that attention is going to be a, a different story. But if teams want really want to sell out and defend the run against Saquon Barkley and load up the box, they're not going to have a man. You know, they're not going to have ability to be able to go in and double cover Sterling Shepard and and take him out of the game because Golden State, Golden State, excuse me, Golden Tate is is very much a threat and, and Evan Ingram that we talked about as well. So there's still, you know, people to be accounted for. So yes, he's going to see some number one cornerback coverage and he might struggle in, in, in games. Uh, you know, on particular weeks, but that shouldn't kill you because he's not going to be the wide receiver one on your team. If you draft appropriately, he can be that you're starting wide receiver three on your team. And I just love that weekly upside that he's going to be getting off ten to twelve targets a game, which is 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 what's going to be becoming his way. So I, I, I'm, and I think he's talented. I think he's earned his money. Uh, I, I know uh, Matt Harmon really likes Sterling Shepard uh, from, from memory. I apologize, Matt, if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I, I believe he really likes his his uh, you know ability as a route runner, uh, beating man coverage. So I'm excited to see what Sterling Shepard can do. And he just represents such a screaming value in, in all formats to me. And I think... Uh, in daily fantasy, he's going to be a, a cheat code. In redraft, he's going to be a cheat code. And in dynasty, you can probably go get him for a, a future second round pick as a guy that can really bolster your wide receiver core. So I think there's plenty to like about Sterling Shepherd this season.
1: I completely agree. I mean, those the three three names I wrote down that if you mentioned: Watkins, Fuller, Robinson. Give me Shepherd over all of them. Watkins mm-hmm. is hurt. Hill just came back. Uh, Fuller's always hurt, and Robinson's—he's like 800 years old. So, give me Shepard. He's 26, especially in Dynasty. He's going to be there. They signed him for pretty much long term for Giants terms. And you're right. He's he's the number one receiver, but he's going to be the number two target in the passing game behind Ingram. Because they're going to double-team Ingram. They're going to blow it up on the box for Barkley, like you said. And Shepard's going to be – he's going to be a stud this year. So, yeah, yeah. give me Shepard all day.
0: Yeah, I, particularly out of those names. I mean – Obviously, roster construction comes into this a, a little bit. And, you know, if I've got a lot of high volume guys, I might shoot for upside with Will Fuller. I think he's an incredible player, Will Fuller. Um, Again, it's the health that's the question mark with him, but he makes that Houston offense just better. He makes everyone better the attention that he demands. So, you know, if, he, if Fuller's your wide receiver three, he represents a very different. You know, week to week possibility than Sterling Shepherd. This is it's very much a floor versus ceiling debate, and that yeah, you know, I guess com- comes into your into your roster construction and how you've how you've gone about it. But both of those names I like, but in a vacuum, I, I want the volume. I want the the I want Sterling Shepherd, who we can expect to probably get, you know, hundred and hundred and twenty targets. I think I think Engram sees the most. Uh, you know, just just doing some rough. Distribution off the top of my head. I think Engram gets about 130, 140 targets. I think Sterling Shepard gets about 120, and Saquon Barkley gets about 100, 110. I think, and then the Golden Golden Tate and Corey Coleman get the the remainders remainders between them. Um, of course, <laughs> health, health dependent. Um so Golden Tate, we've both mentioned him a little bit. New acquisition, bit of a bit of a head scratcher in terms of you know the direction we thought the Giants were going in, getting rid of Odell. They were getting the, the acquiring the the future picks, getting younger, and then they go and get Golden Tate. Now, Golden Tate's one of the best yards after catch receivers in the NFL, if not in NFL history. He's just phenomenal. Interesting move by Gesselman to to bring him in. Now he is a Giant. He's going to be playing in the slot. We know what he what his role is. What do you think for for Tate in two
1: thousand nineteen? He's gonna be the dump off guy. I mean, he's gonna. You need five yards. He'll get you seven. He's gonna be that. He's not gonna be a dink and dunk guy like Julian Endelman, but he'll get you some PPR points. For me, he's he's a he's gonna be a bi week filler on your fantasy team, I and mean, you're not gonna start him week in and week out. And as far as the real season go, if you know real team, you know he's the veteran presence in the receiving team. I mean, they got a lot of young guys, and uh, he's 30 years old. He's been around the block between the Lions and the Eagles. If they picked him up like six years ago, they'd have been great. I would have loved a lot more. Uh, But for fantasy, he's you pick him up because you need him. You may even be able to get him uh, on the waiver wires. I mean, he's nothing special in fantasy anymore. Not on this team. Not not with all those other targets of Shepard and Ingram and Barkley. Uh, So if you pick him, great. If you don't, you're not missing out.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now his ADP on fancy football calculator is just way too high for my my liking, given that he's going to be at best the fourth option in the passing game there. Going in the 10th round, wide receiver 45, but some of the names going after him, Kiki Coody, Curtis Samuel, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Dante Moncrief, Tyrell Williams, Deshaun Hamilton, there's some names there that I significantly prefer to Golden Tate. I think from a real-life football perspective, he's going to help the team. As you said, he moves those chains. He gets you those tough yards when you need them. I think as well are going to manufacture ways to get the ball in his hands because he is so such a threat uh, with those yards after the catch. I can see some you know screenplays and dump-offs and things like that. And I... I really hope they get creative with Barkley and Golden Tate and some misdirection because defenses have to be absolutely terrified of Barkley getting the ball in his hands and if they can they can work out a way to to manufacture both of those guys being involved in a play at once I think there's going to be some some really nice uh upside from a from a a real football perspective but in terms of fantasy based off of his current price I I want no part of Golden Tate uh I just think there's significantly uh, higher upside uh, around the 10th round which is which is what you want to be shooting for at that part of your draft.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I completely agree. Like I said, he's if you take him great, if you don't you're not missing out and I, I, yeah, I'd love to see uh, on-field a, a you know, Barkley to Tate pass for 40 50 yards. Just so that would be great, you know, Barkley get some touchdowns and uh but yeah, Tate is I think it's just a veteran pickup Get a body in there who knows how to play and teach some of these younger guys how to how to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That must have been the, the line of thinking there. And a lot of people are like, well, how many slot receivers do the Giants need? I think it's quite clear that Sterling Shepard is going to be moved to the outside. I think Corey Coleman will be on the other side of the field with Golden Tate in the slot when they run their three wide receiver sets. And they're, they're not a similar player. I mean, Golden Tate has had... Uh, a career a dot over the last few seasons around the six seven yard mark sterling shepherd has been up around 10 11 uh yards uh you know yards in his average average depth of target so people you know when sterling shepherd signed in the golden tape uh acquisition was made like oh it's two guys who play the same role they actually don't play the same role at all so i think they can be very complementary to one another um you know we'll wait and see how that plays out on the on the field but certainly from a fantasy perspective very much like sterling shepherd at his cost very much out on on golden tate uh, at his cost now i've mentioned the name Corey coleman a couple of times he's going undrafted i don't think i've got any interest in in, in cory coleman unless you know i'm looking at a, a tournament play in daily fantasy something like that uh, he he does have the ability to, to, to go down, you know, take one down the field with Eli there. does just lost that pop and just underthrows receivers. I don't see it. Daniel Jones has got a decent arm on him. Potentially if he starts, I can see him getting a few down the field to, to Corey Coleman later on in the season. But outside of that, you know, I'm glad Corey Coleman's still got a job in the NFL, but he's, you know, undoubtedly a bust from his first round pick. And yeah i just can't i can't see him uh, catching too many balls this season
1: yeah he's he's going to be a best ball type of guy for you yeah. i mean i wouldn't even roster him i would not even look at him in free agency unless you have a whole bunch of injuries uh and honestly i don't he may not even make the team i mean he he can't make a team anywhere else so i, I we'll see what happens i mean they got a couple other young guys in here who are taller too all, all the receivers are under six foot taller than two. Um, Fowler and Slayton so he may not even make the team so I would stay away from Coleman really honestly the receivers you want in the Giants are Tate and Shepard uh, after that you're not looking at anyone else yeah and there goes there goes the rest of your show <laughs> <laughs> and
0: okay so uh, uh, circling back to, to Saquon Barkley there, is there any clear indication of who would be his primary backup because let's you know Touch wood, worst case scenario, Saquon goes down for the year. Who is going to step up and fill his shoes, you know, metaphorically speaking? And do you have any interest if it's not Saquon Barkley?
1: No. If if Barkley goes down, the Giants go down. I think fantasy relevance goes down. Uh, They're going to a lot because they won't have a running game. I think I have Wayne Gollum, Elijah Penny, and a bag of nails. Uh, (laughs) The only thing I guess would be good is that you bring Daniel Jones in, and he can dump off to Evan Ingram and dump off to Shepard. But Barkley goes down, stay away from the Giants running game. If that happens, they may bring someone in. And I was just trying to think of who they could bring in. Can you draw Marshawn Lynch out of retirement? Probably not. I don't know anyone else who needs a job right now. Uh, but there's probably people out there. Yeah, that I mean Jay Ajayi
0: comes to mind as a potential. Yeah, that's guy actually who I was thinking about. In.
1: Yeah, but apart from I, that, I guess I I just saw too though that LeSean McCoy could be cut. Maybe try to get him in there, but yeah. again, I mean he's eight, he's forty years old, so you know <laughs> forty plus. <laughs> he's old. My numbers are off with ages, but he's old in his, in football terms. Yeah. So yeah, Barkley goes down. You're not you're not touching the Giants' running game. Uh, don't even handcuff him. Uh, handcuffing, drafting handcuffs is useless. It so is. Don't it, handcuff is in
0: him in- it is in redraft leagues. And even in exactly. dynasty, go and get your handcuffs if you've got deep, deep rosters. But um, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, uh, late, the Late Round podcast with JJ Zacharyson. he did an episode last year about handcuffs. And really eye-opening because common sense tells you to go and get your handcuff. Realistically, though it's a very, very rare occurrence that a handcuff a pays, you know, plays out the way you expect in terms of touches and volume and B that we can correctly identify the right handcuff and see whether you should be handcuffing backs on your team or handcuffing backs of your opposition. It's just an entire mess that, you know, it's, it requires an incredible stroke of luck to get correct. And, you know, handcuffing really is a, is a sub decision. Uh, if, in terms of your, in terms of your redraft leagues, no doubt
1: the yeah the only handcuff i would ever have ever done would have been ingram and camara last year because they weren't really handcuffs they were rb1a rb1b that's it. Other than that, stay away from handcuffs.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I I agree with that. And teams teams where you know it's more of a a one a one b type situation. And as you said, it's not really a handcuff because one's an RB one and one's a flex play each week, and you don't have any concerns yep. about starting either of them. So yeah, absolutely. Those situations. I'm trying to think of any you know situations around the nfl that that fall into that category now i still like latavius murray so i would class kamara and latavius murray as that combination but other than that i just i can't think of any teams off the top of my head
1: yeah the big one would probably be penny and carson i mean the, you, got the penny pe- you, got, you got the penny people and you got the carson people i like carson and then maybe kansas city with williams and hyde yeah, give, but give me Hyde, give me Hyde, and give me Carson. After that, there's really no other. And, and, well, then, other than the 45 backs the Eagles have, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and and then I'm staying away from them. I'm staying away from the Eagles and even the Bears. Give me Colwin, but
0: again, you're not handcuffing. So, yeah, I mean, that's so, that's so funny. You say that I'm team Penny and I'm team, uh, Damien Williams. You and me, are <laughs> loggerheads, polar opposites over those guys. That's going to be, but they're both going to be interesting running back, uh, situations to watch unfold over the first, you know, quarter of the season, the first four weeks. And I, I, am already getting ready to mute their names on Twitter when the vit- victory victory start, <laughs> start emerging. Um, are there any of the guys that, you know, the, let's, let's change our focus now to Dynasty and maybe f- f- long term. Are there any of the names on the Giants roster that potentially the, the mainstream isn't aware of yet that you think could have a role next season or even two years from now? A guy that they like, who been, they've been bringing along?
1: Well, obviously, you know, we said we talked about Daniel, uh, Daniel Jones. Right. Uh, he, he, he will be good. Uh, let's let's Uh, stay on
0: daniel jones for a second there because even if he isn't the best pocket passer um around it's he from what i understand and from what i've seen he is quite athletic and he 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 ran the ball quite well at at duke so from a fantasy perspective this is a guy who's i mean similar to josh allen last year i don't want to make the comparison that's simplistic but just in terms of people's attitude towards him in in drafts particularly rookie superflex drafts and also superflex startup drafts people are giving Daniel Jones no respect whatsoever it's the guy who was selected seventh overall in the NFL draft or, or sixth overall um, like he's going to play and he's going to get a lot of opportunities like it seems that he is criminally undervalued to me for fantasy purposes.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. And in most dynasty leagues, at least the ones I've been playing in, there's super flexes. Yep. And so in four years, when you need to start two quarterbacks, start him. Why not? I mean, he's going to have a team around him. They're bringing another wide receiver. Barkley's still going to be there in five to ten years. And he's not going to do bad. I mean, he can't do any worse than Eli. If you already (sighs) hate Eli, he's not he's not going to do any worse. Uh, I mean Eli's throwing four picks a game so he throws five. but yeah, stay with Jones give him some give him some credit. I mean he got drafted. What did you do? You didn't get drafted so <laughs> uh, so stay with Jones. It, honestly, because Murray and Haskins it run a lot, he may they may be out of league in a couple of years because they're running quarterbacks. I mean looking Newton, he's breaking down. Um, the kid out of Denver block. he doesn't run a whole lot. So he's going to be sticking around. So he's he's a pocket guy. He's going to stay there. He's going to throw the ball. He has the mechanics. The the offensive line is, is a big issue. But stay with him. Just keep, keep him. Um, another guy I like, I've been drafting him a lot. Granted, he's five years into the league. But Cody Latimer, the wide receiver, he's 26. He's tall. He's 6'2". He's 215. They just got done re-signing him. Uh, I, I really think he's going to be the 3-4 receiver. That's why I don't think Coleman's going to stick around. I think right. Vladimir's going to st- step up this year and get the job done. Now, granted, he's not going to be uh, a Shepherd or Odell anytime soon, but you know he, he he's 26. He's got four more years until he reaches Golden Tate's age, and, and he, he he's ma- free. makes a noise. He's free. Exactly. This is the
0: thing, right? This, is, this, is, what, this is when we're throwing darts. You go, okay. Where's there a path to touches? they like this guy. He's, he's stuck with them for a, a few seasons now. They've just extended him potentially next season. He could be one of the starting receivers in three wide receiver sets. And then Daniel Jones is better than we think, or he's, you know, he's a competent starter. And all of a sudden they're throwing the ball a bit more. And, you know, you can, you can tell yourself a story in which these guys who don't seem <laughs> relevant today can become relevant down the line, and the th- when you you know when the cost is zero, it's worth looking at some of these guys. And, and the team telling us that they want to draft him, or excuse me, want to extend him, tells us that they they see something in him, they like him, and they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed.
1: Exactly. I mean, Jones and Latimer are going to be playing the second string in practices, so they're going to get a relationship going. So they're gonna they're gonna um, have that connection and then they're going to take off in a couple of years. And then, yeah, just stick with him. Like I said, he's free. He's not doing anything. You can cut him. No loss. No loss. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I, and
1: and as, far as, as far as another running back for the Giants, I mean, unless they bring in someone in a couple of years, I mean, Barclays is the answer for, for fantasy Or for yeah. Dynasty, I mean.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's... He's not going anywhere he's taking that job with, with two hands and he's going to be there for you know five, five or six years at least so he's definitely got that job all sewed up. Listen, Tyler, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show. I think that'll I'll wrap up our, our our giant sort of fantasy preview for 2019. So tell our listeners where they can find you uh, you know uh, on, on social media, etc.
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's Tyler Belaski, B E L A W S K E. I also write for Kickers Matter. And I have my own podcast with my son. It's Tyler and Eli, Fantasy Football Tips Podcast. We are an anchor. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We haven't hit iTunes yet. So uh, we're trying to hopefully get that soon. But uh, you, you can find the scrolls coming up. That's the <laughs> SFB9. 1200 team power rankings coming up soon. Hopefully by the end of July, I'll have them posted and yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast and it's fun because you're in Australia. I'm in New York and I'm talking to the future. So (laughs) that part, that part's pretty cool. I I love that. That's so, that just blows my mind that it's already Sunday and Saturday here. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much. It was a blast and uh, go big blue.
0: Uh, well, yeah, uh, it was absolutely our pleasure to, to have you on. Thank you for coming and talking football. And you're, you're welcome to to come come join us in the future anytime. So thanks again for, for, for joining us. And best of luck with your leagues this season. And let's hope Saquon Barkley rides people to another fancy football championship.